welcome to another episode of Conversation with a Chef. I'm Joe Ritty and I love sharing with you the conversations I get to have with talented and passionate chefs. It's the backstory, if you will, to the food they're putting up. Today I'm chatting to Diana Chan. I must admit to being slightly starstruck when talking to Diana. And when I say slightly, please read enormously. Diana is the 2017 MasterChef Australia winner and beams a sunny and positive presence out through her socials. So you can imagine my excitement when PR company Harvey Taylor got in touch to see if I'd like a chat. Of course I would. I asked Diana what her greatest successes have been over the last four years since leaving a corporate job working for Deloitte to take part in MasterChef and then launch a career as a celebrity chef. Tough question, actually. Diana has had so many successes. The one she shared is certainly a standout. The range of dumplings she put out with Golden Wok were the 2020 top-selling product in the freezer section of Coles and Woolworths, with 21 million pieces sold and customers wanting more. Diana is, obviously, a firm believer in giving things a go, and next on the agenda is her own range of homewares. As she was talking about these, I was making frenzied notes to self to buy these when they come out. This was an incredibly uplifting chat on a lockdown day in Melbourne, and I'm grateful for Diana's generosity of spirit in sharing so much with me. It is Joe. How are you? Uh, I am good. I'm good. So how are you? I'm I'm good, thank you. I'm very excited um to be talking to you. So thank you in advance for your time. Thanks for, yeah, thanks for this. This is awesome. Um, with all that's going on at present, uh, where are you and and how are you? <laughs> where am I? I'm currently in um, the COVID-ridden state of Melbourne, yeah. um, uh, Victoria, Melbourne, um, and. No, I mean, look, it's uh, life's been okay. Um, life's been okay since since last year. Um, you know, you kind of just adapt, I guess. Um, and it's 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 been it's been really sort of like there's been lots of challenging times. But you know, it's you know, I always remind myself like I'm not the only one in this position. Everyone, everyone you speak to has um, definitely gone through some bad times uh, last year. Um, but yeah, it's you know, you just get on with life and try and remain positive as you can. I yeah, guess. absolutely. I, I'm also in Melbourne, so I'm yeah. You are. So you're in the same boat. You I'm know, in the same boat. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, like you know, there's times where you're just over it. Um, but you know, just definitely. Uh, I mean, at the end of the day, it's like it, it, it is. It is what it is, and I'm, I'm sort of. You know, I haven't really found, um, you know, the lockdown too bad if you just had a routine almost. Like, I find that that helps. Um, you know, you, you get up and you, like, you know, I'll, I'll exercise and I'll, I'll make sure that, um, you know, I still go to bed early. Um, it's not a holiday at the end of the day. It's, uh, you know, even though you've got nothing really to wake up and look forward to. Mm. Um, yeah, I tend to try and... You know, stay positive and treat it like any other day um, because that kind of has helped me get through it. Same. <laughs> yeah. Well, I think that that's really good advice. And I've been doing the same thing, I think. Um, but, you know, I think 
I'm lucky in the fact that I have got work to do, and so that gives me yeah. a routine as well. So I think um, I am really grateful for, for those things and for being able to achieve that routine and sense of purpose in my day. So um, I feel for those that haven't got work, I think that's a lot more of a I challenge. But yeah. Oh, yeah. And, <laughs> you know, I, I find that, um, you know, like I try and do the things that, you know, given, given what I do, because I'm quite flexible myself. Um, I try and help out where I can, um, like mm. within, within the community, and whether that's you know uh, doing some food rescue stuff or um, just like uh, on Monday I hosted this cooking class for St Vincent's uh, Hospital mm. and they you know for the emergency department because all the the staff were you know highly highly under stress mm. um, and you know it was just something as a night off. Um, and we did a little dumpling making class. Um, yeah, so things like that, I guess it uh, helps, you know, you help where you can. Absolutely, and I think that's lovely, and I think, um, it, you know, obviously we always talk about food being an aspect of joy in our lives, and if you're able to, you know, give them something different to think about, I think it's lovely, a lovely thing to do. <laughs> Absolutely. As I said, it's no, it's no, you know, it's no skin of mine, though. It's like, it's, uh, it's easy enough for me to do it. It's like any other day, really. <laughs> Purpose. <laughs> exactly right, and yeah. and obviously um, you're you're now known uh, in the food world. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm interested mm-hmm. in the role that food played when you were growing up. Um, I think for me, uh, obviously coming from um, a Malaysian background, an Asian background, um, food is like the pinnacle of you know of of, of uh, every household. I find um, it's. You know, it's where we have our conversations around the dinner table about our days, um, about uh, about life in general. So you know, we would have, you know, mum would always sit us down at the dinner table over dinner, and we talk about, you know, all the kids would talk about like how 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 was your day at school, like we get up to, or like you know, my dad would talk about his work, and and food kind of reminds me so much of home in terms of family. Mm. And I think that's what that's what um you know that that's the the, the biggest thing I have I've sort of taken away from like food. It's not just it's not it's not just food for fuel. It's food it's food um that feeds your soul in terms of. But I think of food. I think of family, and I think of that moment rather than the food itself. Mm. And for mm. you, home is Malaysia. Is that? Yeah, so I, well, I grew, well, home is now in Melbourne, but um, so I've, lived, I've lived here for 15, 15 years now, um, but yeah, I grew, up, I grew up in Malaysia, I moved over when I was 18, um, and, you know, it, it, it's been, it's been, it's been great, like, I do, you know, pre, pre-COVID, I was going back maybe two, three times a year back to Malaysia, mm. um, yeah, mum and, mum and dad are still there, my brother as well, so, you know, thank God for Zoom, really, and, yeah. and Skype and all that sort of stuff. Absolutely. I um, I was doing a bit of reading because I read on your website about um, yeah. the Baba Nyonya community. Baba Nyonya? Yeah. yeah. And yeah. I, was a bit, I was quite fascinated because you know, that led me down a bit of um, a um, rabbit hole of what, you know, those, what that means. And, um, and yeah. I read... And I, and you can correct me if I'm wrong, but or if the website I read was wrong. But it talks about Baba and Nyonya as being respectful and endearing terms for men and women, and that women were primarily responsible 
for providing meals for the family and community, and that's why the style of cuisine is referred to as Nyonya. Would you, is that, yeah. is that right? 100%, yeah. So the Babas, the men, and then Nyonya is the female, and it, it basically came from, um, you know, like, obviously the settlers that moved. So Baba Nyonya, basically, let's just go back to that. Yeah. Um, or either, otherwise known as Peranakans, yeah. um, they are straight-born Chinese. So if you think about the Straits of Malacca, um, there's Penang up the top, um, Malacca in the middle, and then Singapore. So mm. these three um, areas, um, so back then Singapore was part of um, Malaya. So before Malaysia was known as Malaysia, it was known as Malaya. So Singapore was actually part of Malaya. So all under the same governance. Um, and these three ports were really strategic for trade. So any trade that sort of came from China, India would come and settle at these ports, and then off they went to you know other parts of the world. So that's where all the settlers from like. China, for example, where they brought like you know all the the silks and the spices or whatever, they settled at these ports and they intermarried with the local Malays, and mm. and that's where this culture came about. So it's sort of like a it's like a hybrid. Mm. Um, we've got like the Chinese sort of uh, culture in terms of the religion, the background, the food, but then they also married the locals, which had their own different cultures. Um, and, and that's how it kind of formed this this quite unique subculture within Malaysia. And there's not too many of us left. Mm. <laughs> My mum always says to me, I'm like the last generation. Yeah, right, <laughs> because, right. Yeah, okay. because unless I marry a, a, a baba boy, like I probably wouldn't, you know, wouldn't be able to continue. But, you yeah, know, whatever, that's not true. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I think it's, uh, yeah, I think it's, you know, it, it's really interesting because the food is also quite different. Um and it's so unique to that area alone, um, which is which is why it makes it so different. And and what would be what are the features of their food? Yeah, so um, so it's a lot of like so you think I think the easiest way for me to explain is like think about like your real traditional like Chinese dishes. So like lots of soup bases, lots of like stews. Uh, you know, you think about like the provinces in China where it's cold and there's all that like slow cooking, that sort of style. Mm. But then you use, you know, in Malaysia, a lot of like tropical ingredients um, where, you know, there's a lot of spices like chili. So it's like you're taking something that's quite, you know, like from China where it's all, you know, quite not bland, um, but quite neutral in flavor, very mild. And then you, 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 you use all the the, the the local spices to sort of mix it in and the local ingredients and that's kind of like creating this mishmash of flavor. It's like it is fusion to a tea because it's like mixing, you know, all these different flavors and creating these random dishes, which, and this is why the cuisine is, I feel like it's a dying trait because nobody, nobody really knows because all these dishes were created at home. Like there are dishes that I've had which my mum has created uh, or has, has give, fed me. And it, the only reason I know about it is because of her. Um, I wouldn't know it, about it outside. Or the reason she would know about it is because my grandmother would have taught her how to do it. Um, and that, that's, that's, that's how this, this whole culture kind of formed back in the day. Mm. Yeah. So, yeah, it's like some really interesting dishes, like, you know, usage of, like, you, you know, like, like, uh, 
it, there's one dish uh, known as like tamarind fish um, and it's like you know yes okay you get fish there and all that kind of stuff and it's like in a form of like a gravy stew slow cooked but not slow cooked <laughs> because yeah. it's got like really fresh ingredients inside and then it's got all these herbs like Vietnamese mint um, got cafe lime lemongrass so really vibrant flavours you're right so were you? So you would have been in the kitchen with your mum and your grandma when you were growing up, is it? Yeah, we were. Well, um, yeah, I was mainly in the kitchen, but I always say this, like I never really got the chance to cook at mm. home <laughs> because my mum was, my mom was the, you know, like the, 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 the chef and then the cook in the house. And so it was, but I think because of that, it's great because of the foundation that I got through you know, she would give me a whole thing of um, bowl of onions and she'd be like, oh, peel onions or like, you know, peel garlic or like um, she wouldn't use a nutcracker to crack like the, the ginkgo nuts open, like you'd have to like use the hammer and like do it like old school. Mm. Um, she wouldn't use like the food processor to make like paste, like, you know, use a pestle and mortar, like, and like literally bang on the floor. And, but, uh, you know, and back then I would have been like, so grumpy about it. <laughs> so like, Why do I have to do this? It's so many that we're like we're living in the twentieth century. Like, do we actually have to like you know do this by hand? But you know, it's 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 interesting because from there I, I kind of learned the basics of cooking. Yeah, um, and it's not so much me cooking; it's just me watching her cook and understanding. Like it's back to basics, um, and that's what kind of you know. Uh, it makes me understand food a lot better. I think that's that is a fascinating idea, and I was just as you were saying that I was thinking, well, that's what a lot of those you know chefs do when they um, are apprentices and they'd go into you know Gordon Ramsay's kitchen and you get them picking the herbs for ten hours a day. You know, you'd be like, why am I doing this? But um, yeah, you kind of had exactly. your own apprenticeship in doing that, and as you say, yeah, I did it when I was five. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> But no, it's a uh, you know I think I think that that that, that all comes from like yeah, childhood upbringing and um, just understanding. And I think when you when you work with not not food but just ingredients mm. at a very young age, you understand the provenance of food and where and how they grow and, and where they come from. Or how you know where and you go to a market, you get the fish. Like okay, oh that's where you know it's it's a local fish. Or like you, then you start to understand a lot more about ingredients. Yeah, that's. I love that idea. Yeah, it's because uh-huh. I was. Um, one of my questions was I was interested in what self-taught meant for you because we when we describe, um, you know, you going along to Master Chef and so on, you're a self-taught uh, chef or cook, um, yeah. and so obviously you've got that background, which uh-huh. was a really excellent background. Um, but then where did you go? Like, what's the next step for you in Melbourne, for for example? You no, know, did you just start experimenting with food? Did you um, read yeah. lots of books? <laughs> Yeah, so um, yeah, I think I think so. I moved out of home when I was seventeen. So pre pre Melbourne, I was um, already living out of home for like two years. Mm. Um, and whilst I didn't cook so much there, like at seventeen, you know, because over there in in Malaysia, you get like food is food is pretty cheap and and vast, and and shops and restaurants open till late. So um, you know, you can get food any time of the day, really. You can get food at, if you felt hungry at 2 a.m., you can run out to the local coffee shop and, and get something to eat. Mm. Um, so, it, 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 one, it's cheap, and two, it's, it, it's accessible. Um, and I think 
part of the reason why I didn't cook so much when I was like a teenager was because that that was present. Um, then I moved to Australia and I'm like, oh my god, like it is so expensive to eat out. Like, mm. <laughs> and also as a uni student, like you know, you're not, yeah. you're not making money yet. Um, and then I was like, oh my gosh, I actually have to get a job, like <laughs> to like support my lifestyle of like eating and stuff. Um, because you know, you grow up at home, you always have food laid out on the table and mum pays for it like you never have to fork out for anything mm. uh, which is great and then you suddenly have to figure that out yourself um and that's when I really like okay die get get it all together you gotta um you know go to the market shop for ingredients you gotta find the best deals and you know and then just learn how to cook uh using what I already knew kind of thing so I watched a lot of cooking food travel shows I remember like Learning Planet was I, I grew up watching a lot of Lonely Planet, um, Anthony Bourdain, like that sort of like food and travel was like a big thing for me. I just loved understanding where food came from and what people ate where. Mm. Um, yeah, and so like naturally when when I uh, moved to Australia, I was like, you know, I just had to had to sort of fend for myself. <laughs> <laughs> well, or oh, necessity is a great teacher. <laughs> Exactly. Yeah, you do it because you have to. Yeah, and then you, and then you kind of find enjoyment out of that. <laughs> so even better. And so from there, I mean, I, this is probably um, a worn out story, you know, around the time that you that uh-huh. you won. But what was the next step from that to deciding to go on MasterChef? Yeah. So um, I, I guess uh, when when yeah, because I was. Um, I was working um, in a in a, in a co- corporate environment. I was working for Deloitte, um, and I was there for four years or something. And um, and I would you know often bring food in and leftover leftover food for my colleagues, and, and everyone was like, "Oh, you're really good! Like you know, you should try try out MasterChef." And I already started watching it when I moved here, and I think when I moved here. In two thousand six, I think it was two thousand eight or two thousand nine. That was the first episode, uh, first season of MasterChef. I, I kept watching it. I actually religiously followed MasterChef, mm. not knowing that one day I would, you know, <laughs> be in it. Um, but I sort of, you know, I always watched it. And I was like, oh, I could do that. I could do that. Maybe I could. And then, you know, put you put um, you know, just basically like, why not give it a crack? Mm. <laughs> You know, if, if if there was any time to do it, um, and you know, my mates are like, you should definitely, you know, go for it, and and just just see how you go, and then, and that's when that's when it all kind of started. I uh, I decided to to just give it a go, not mm-hmm. not knowing like, or not even not had no intentions of winning it. To be honest, like just just as long as I could get in and I could like not be the first one out, I was happy. Um, and then, and then I kind of like realized, oh, okay, like it's not that hard to get to like the top 10 or like, you know, there's a few people I can like kind of kick out and like feel like I'm better than them. So you get into this competition mode and naturally I'm quite a competitive person anyway. So yeah, that's kind of like where it all started. And then, and then, and then lo and behold, next minute, like you're, (laughs) you're in the winning, like you're in the running to win this whole thing, like. May as well go all out, right? <laughs> yeah, amazing! Congratulations! I mean, I know you, you would have been so congratulated over the years, but um, it is an amazing thing to have done. And um, is it the kind of environment that um, 
can you learn in that environment as well? Did you learn some things there, or are you just constantly kind of in this state of oh, um, no. adrenaline? And... No, you definitely learn. So from and a lot of people don't know this, it is actually like the toughest, longest um, filming uh, reality TV show in the world. Mm. Um, it is also one of the toughest, I would say. Not not just not physically, but like mentally draining because. You're in the from the start to the end. If you if you get all the way to the end, seven months of filming. So if you if you put it into context, like seven months of you know basically living in a house with twenty three other random people, strangers that you've never met. Yeah. <laughs> with different personalities, all from different different backgrounds. Um, it can actually be pretty intense. Um. Yeah, intense. Um, and and but you know, at the same time, you have no internet, you have no phones, so you can't contact your family or friends or loved ones. Wow. Um. Yeah. So you. So it when they say it's intense, and this this doesn't happen now anymore. Um, it was it was in my season and before. Um where we wouldn't have phones and all that stuff. So it, it, alcohol, it's a dry house and no alcohol at all. Mm. Um, and you really are so focused because you only have one thing to do and that's to cook. Mm. <laughs> so that's how, like I would say, I was I was good at the start, but I was, I am nowhere, like, where, you're nowhere near as good as at the end. Mm. Um, because you have seven months of focusing on just the one thing and that is, to be better at cooking or presenting or just, you know, making the best dish and, and be winning the challenge. That That's your main focus. And we get a lot of help as well in terms of in the house, like we get like chefs that come in and, you know, we always say like it's one of the best things. Like if you're, if you're starting out to be like an apprentice chef, um, yeah, you can go and do like 10 hours in the kitchen or whatever, but you've got this access to um, all the top chefs from around the world Mm. that will help you and guide you and give you tips and, yeah, things that, like, apprentice chefs actually dream of. Absolutely. What an incredible time. And to, and, mm. and as you say, without the, the outside world and other no, and other responsibilities, yeah. it, that's a um, that's pretty – that's a dream, isn't it? <laughs> Absolutely, yeah. All you have to do is is focus on, on like, cooking. <laughs> that's Amazing. It. So then once – you know, you won, and then suddenly your your name and your face are everywhere. Does um does being a celebrity chef bring a certain responsibility? Um, yes, 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 definitely. I think um, I think you you know predominantly, I would say like you know maintaining that sort of um presence in in social in like across your social media platform and I think that's probably the easiest way and, and the most used uh, forum or way to get across to people or fan base platform kind of thing um, I think it, it is people who follow me or tend to follow me because of they know that uh, you know that I'll post something good about food or like do a bit of research or share a recipe um, and because I think the the majority of people that use these platforms as well are, you know, um, women or, you know, based at home or home cooks or whatever, they would, you know, look at these 
posts and stuff and and would maybe make that dish after. Mm. Um, so yeah, I think there is a, a little bit of a responsibility in terms of feel for me to share. Um, and not, not, not because I, I, you know, not because I feel pressured to do it or anything. I just, I feel that I want to give back. Um, and it, it's something that I love doing anyway. It doesn't, doesn't bother me. Um, and it's nice to share and, and, and I think it's also rewarding in terms of whilst I don't have a restaurant, um, I get to share these you know, recipes or, or tips, tricks or whatever online and, and people follow and do it. Um, and the reach is, is pretty wide. Yeah. And did you have to have your brand or do you even think you, I mean, do you have a brand or are you just you? Did you have to have that sorted straight out the gate or do you? (laughs) Yeah, it's an interesting one because, uh, you know, I I kind of went, went into MasterChef with a very open mind um, and also a very open mind and very, how should I say this, um, you, you know, no, no expectations. Mm. yeah so I, I kind of like you know if I do well great if I don't do well that's fine I still have a job I can go back to my job because I took sabbatical leave um so I think yeah it was it was sort of you know I had, I had a plan like a, a loose plan um it's far from it right now <laughs> <laughs> what, what, what was the plan yeah. so the plan was uh the plan was to own a restaurant yeah. um and it was to do you know, really healthy takeaway food. Yeah. That is, is, is absolutely not what I do now. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, like, I still do healthy, you know, healthy, I share healthy recipes and stuff like that, just not in a restaurant form. I did dabble and I, I had a, a, a little pop-up restaurant yeah. for seven, seven months and that went really well. But, my God, that took... Um, that took the life out of me. <laughs> well, that's and, not yeah. just about. I mean, that yeah. Uh, that there's yeah. so much involved with that, isn't there? It's, it's business. It's a business, yeah. and it's um, yeah. food profit. I mean, you know, it, I, yeah. <laughs> that's not and just about day, loving cooking. One, yeah, exactly. And one day I will, I will eventually get back into it. I just think that now I have a lot of different. I think what I've realised is how how powerful, like you know, the being having a presence can make can 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 do and have an effect and 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 just being me and like doing what I love and people just following that uh, can become become my you know become my income earner and my revenue stream. So because um I I as well as being a writer I'm a teacher and everyone knows what how teachers fill their days. Um, what what does a typical day look like for you then? For me, yeah, oh, every day is so different. Um, so today is interviews day. Um, yeah. <laughs> I had an interview in the morning. I've got another one in the afternoon. So, so I've got days like so. Monday is generally like my admin day. So I'll just go through all my emails and and work through everything, any invoicing, payments, whatever. I'll, I'll sort that out on Monday, and then the rest of the week, like you know, I could be scheduling in a shoot. Uh, you know, creating like some content that I need. Um, you know, just, just creating recipes. I write recipes on the daily, I would say, mm. uh, whether it's one or, or, or five or ten. Um, and uh, and then just because of the current climate, um, it's very different to what my regular day 
would have looked like back, you know, two years ago. Mm. Um, you know, I was, I was pretty much travelling a fair bit. Um, and because MasterChef is, like, so known in, in, in like, countries like India, China, um, Malaysia, like, Singapore, all the Asian countries, and then also, like, in, in Dubai, UK, it's massive. Um, I was doing a lot of work overseas, so mm. um, travel was a lot, <clears throat> a massive part of my day-to-day activity. Mm. Um, but now it's a, yeah, I mean, there's days where I just, like, chill out and <laughs> not do anything. Yeah. And, you know, just, like, you know, annoy annoy my boyfriend who's working. But, uh, <laughs> yeah. But um, yeah, it's just it's very different. Um, but I, I would say generally every day it's about it's about giving back, sharing, um, and you know just being a positive person. Just yeah. you know share share my day with everyone and and just like you know if I go for a run, I'll say hey I went for a run yeah. and then I'm gonna eat something after this. <laughs> um, yeah. I think you should too, kind of thing. Or yeah. And um, what do you think have been your greatest successes over the last four years and maybe the, the greatest challenges? And it, it depends on how we define success, of course, but um, what, what, to yeah. you, what, what to you is your greatest success? Um, I, think, I think the greatest success is, it, for me is by giving everything, um, you know, a red hot go. Like, um, for example, um, the dumplings... Um, which we stock in Coles and Woolworths, so the the manufacturer, um, Makwa Golden Walk, they they basically make the dumplings, and then I am the you know the face of it. Um, mm. You know, I promote it, I I endorse the brand, I come up with the recipes and all that. That that wouldn't have come about if you know I didn't meet them at a charity event and we started talking about dumplings randomly, <laughs> um, and then and then that kind of eventuated and, and last year alone they made 21 million dollars in sales of dumplings wow um, it, is, it is the highest selling item in the freezer section in Coles and Woolies yeah um, in that category so that that for example I think would be one of the greatest successes though not fully mine um and you know I'm a part of it mm. I think that that wouldn't have happened had had I not given it a, a go at the start mm. um the shows, um, like the TV shows, you know, never thought I was gonna be like a media person. To be, to be perfectly honest, never thought I'd be fine and comfortable in front of camera. But I guess MasterChef kind of like started, kickstarted that whole thing. Um, and you know, uh, after after like getting five cameras shoved in your face in the first two weeks, you kind of get used to it. And yeah. You're like, okay, cool. I'm I'm okay with the camera right in my face, right in front of me. Yeah. Um, yeah, like giving a crack at like, you know, we've always wanted to um, post. I, I think the main thing for me is like I want to share what I know um, and in, in whatever capacity, whether it's owning a restaurant, whether it's writing a book, whether it's like talking about food, hosting podcasts, whatever. Um, TV was always one of them um, because I thought, you know, it's, a, it's such a good way to show people um, and get a good reach um, through 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 shows. Um, so we... we you know, the management and I, we came up with a concept called Asia Unplated, which is run uh, for two seasons on FBS Food, um, and it's shown overseas. So, yeah, you know, I think that's that's great. Like, you know, it's all about Asian food and cuisine, and, you know, Asia is, like, the largest continent in the world, and there's so many different 
uh, cuisines that fall under it. So, you know, why not explore that region? Um, you know, not many people have done that. So, and, and I'm not saying I'm an expert in it, um, in all Asian cuisines, but that's where we get like guests in and like, you know, where they come and share their knowledge of, of that particular cuisine or, or food or where they came from. Um, yeah, so the, I, I guess those are my, probably my two, you know, proudest ones. Um, there's a lot, like, there's a lot that we, that, that I do that I don't probably, like, you know, um, talk about in, in, in public. Like, you know, there's a lot of government work that we do. We've cooked for a lot of really cool, cool people, but also, like, you know, uh, people in high power, like diplomats, ministers, and all that sort of stuff. We've, we've done a lot and travelled to to uh, overseas for work as well, which is uh, which is one of my, my favourite things to do. Mm. Um, wow, what an, what an amazing about turn that, you know, you would never have imagined probably before you entered that this is what your life would look like. <laughs> no, and then now, and then now, you know, I sort of like think, uh, so I'm like about to launch a new homeware, homeware brand um, because, and that this sort of came about through COVID because I was like, do you know what, like, Dan, you really like entertaining. I love entertaining. Like, I love having people come over and just feel so welcomed in the house. Like, you know, creating creating the atmosphere, um, not just the food, but the atmosphere, making them feel comfortable, you know, pouring, pouring, pouring their, their drinks, um, making them feel so welcome. Mm. Like, you know, it's like a treat to come to your house kind of thing. Um, and... And from there, like, you know, I've, I've sort of built this uh, brand, which I will launch soon, as soon as I'm able to. Um, and it's, you know, it's, it's, uh, it's all homewares, um, which hopefully will expand. Yeah. <laughs> oh, no, but that's giving it a go as well. Absolutely. Yeah, wow. <laughs> Maybe when I speak to you in a year's time and it's all successful, then we can, yeah. like, put that on the list. Yeah, that's right. Well done. Um, just as a last question, do you think okay. that, that anyone can be a really good chef or cook? Yeah, I think so, 100%. Um, I think it comes from, it definitely comes from, uh, the old saying, practice makes perfect. I think a lot of, uh, uh, it's like how you can teach yourself to sing. Like, I'm not a good singer, but <laughs> I know if I taught myself, I probably could. Like, I can hold a tune. <laughs> I think... <laughs> I think if you, you know, you can definitely teach yourself a lot of things. You can teach yourself anything, really. It's whether or not you want to do it, mm. um, I find. Um, you know, it, it's, it's and, and a lot of it comes from understanding the basics. Go back to the basics. Do, like, before, you know, before you take that leap, just, like, it's baby steps. you got to learn the, the, the fundamentals of, of, of everything, like, in anything, business, you know, music, dancing, whatever. You just gotta, and you just gotta know the basics. And um, that, that, yeah, I think anyone can be a great cook if they are willing to. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> well, look, thank you, Diana. I just, I appreciate. I know you. Um, yeah, as you say, it's interview day, so you probably get all talked out. But I really appreciate your yeah, time no, and your <laughs> and and your generosity with what you've shared with me. So thank you so much. Welcome. Thank you so much. Thanks, Jeff. Have a great day. Bye. Have a, you, bye. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of Conversation with a Chef with Diana Chan. 
If you want to experience all the greatness for yourself, which of course you do, you can follow Diana on Instagram at diana.chan.au and see what she's up to for yourself. As for me, I'm also on Instagram at Conversation with a Chef. And if you want to read the chat, you can head to www.conversationwithachef.com. I would absolutely love it if you told a friend about my chats. And of course, you can subscribe on Apple Podcasts or click follow on Spotify so I know you're there. Once again, thank you. Have a great day. See you next time.